Welcome to Sports and Songs Podcast. We're on season two, episode 10 today. How are you doing, Andy, on this January 30th? We're rounding out the month. Yes, I'm doing well, Dan. Doing very good. Well, we're at the uh, finishing up the sports season. Winter sports season here is, is in full swing here at the end of January. February is going to go fast, as it always does, and it's going to be March Madness before we know it. And right. pitchers, catchers report next week, next month. Yeah, the 14th, we got day 2,500. We got pitchers and catchers. And what more could you ask for in a day? It, it's going to go fast, and it's, and it's, it's going to be a fun time of year. Uh, hot, hot stove for baseball is winding down. We'll touch on that today, too. Yeah. And should I start off with the trivia question? Yes, go ahead. Trivia question. So tomorrow on Sunday is Pro Bowl. They're not going to actually play it this year. They're going to do it virtually. But I thought I'd have a trivia question based on the Pro Bowl. The Pro Bowl, here's the question. Every year uh, an MVP is named in the Pro Bowl, right? Uh, MVP. Name the only player who won the MVP in the Pro Bowl twice in back-to-back seasons. Oh, wow. Or games, I should say. Only one player has ever, ever done it. Oh, wow. And there's a Minnesota connection to this person. Oh, do not know. Uh, we'll come back here uh, before the musical segment and do the answer. All right. Um, we talked about the winter sports heading up. Make you think we're going to talk a little summer Olympics, Tokyo, Japan. Uh, last year, of course, Tokyo was supposed to have the summer Olympics. Um, and they've reached out and they said they're going to try this year, uh, opening on the 23rd of July. Uh, it was set to open 23rd of July, postponed 10 months due to the pandemic. Um, I've talked to some people I know, I've, I've called my people, <laughs> that, have, that have worked with the Olympic teams in the past. Um, they're saying, no, it's not going to happen. Uh, not with this new spread or second wave or whatever they're calling it now. Um, yeah, the, the World Cup for soccer is going up. That's one sport, one area you're bubbling. You can't bubble an entire country for the Olympics. Next year is supposed to be the Winter Olympics in 22. Hopefully we've got this all figured out by then, but there just might not be a Summer Olympics, which is kind of a, you know, it, it's like when your country boycotts it. You feel bad for the athletes who've been practicing since they were five for, you know, and if they can or can't, you feel kind of bad for them. You, you hope there's maybe some kind of like regional North American games or something they can go to to get, some kind of uh, something for all our work, you know. So I do feel bad for the athletes who have trained their whole lives for this. Uh, hopefully something comes of it. Uh, maybe they have the winter and summer both in 2022. I don't know. But um, I won't hold my breath or make any plans. I heard uh, someone in Florida was saying, oh, well, we'll, have, we'll host the Olympics here. You just bring them over here. Yeah, that's it. We'll throw together the Olympics in a few months in one state. Get off your high horse, Florida. You're not going to do it. Uh, speaking of that, go for men's gymnastics. Uh, one of the gymnastics, Shane Wiskus, will not compete for the Gophers at the beginning of the season, starting this weekend against Iowa. He has decided to stay in Colorado Springs, the Olympic Training Center, and keep working for the Olympic team. He's trying out for the Summer Olympics. He'll be unable to travel back and forth between Colorado and Minnesota due to the United States Olympic and Paralympic Committee quarantine rules. You have to quarantine seven days every time you travel. We can't go back between the U and there back and forth. That's just not going to happen. So he's staying just with the Olympic team. If possible, he'd be able to join the Gophers at the end of the season and compete for the maroon and gold then. Um, he's a great 
he's got to be good with the Olympics. Um, Gophers could really use him. They're going to miss him. He was Big Ten Gymnast of the Year each of his first three seasons at Minnesota. And he would continue to attend classes virtually and receive academic support while he remains in Colorado to train. Uh, he is on track to graduate from Minnesota this semester. A uh, little time from that, though. Senior, local boy from Spring Park, Minnesota, went to Mound West Tonka High School. So kind of a local boy out here for us. Another reason right there I kind of want to see the Central Olympics. Kind of a local guy going that get from Minnesota. That's a local guy who's in the Olympics that's not in hockey. Okay, so we don't see that very often. Uh, or in one of the skating, skiing events. So nice to see a Minnesota kid there. I hope they could get something out for him or something could come for him on that. Uh, a little baseball news I got. Um, the way it's looking right now, you know, last year with the pandemic and the bubbling and the whole different schedule, they had universal DHs and some of the other rules. So they're not going to go universal DHs here. They've decided against that. They are going to expand the playoffs or think of expanding the playoffs. And they're still kicking around the idea of the whole um, seven innings for a doubleheader and extra innings runner starting at second base. I'm not a big fan of the runner starting at second base thing. Um, seven inning doubleheaders I can get used to. No uh, runner starting at second base. I, 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 I admit it. Baseball fans are the worst when it comes to changing rules in their sport. Uh, maybe it's because I'm a baseball fan and they take their side. They're the worst at uh, accepting rule changes. Um, the DH, I'm not a fan of it. I wish it was the same in both leagues, though. So that's what I'm going to say on that one. That's where I stand on that. Seven endings for doubleheaders. I guess I'm okay with that. I get it. Uh, starting with the runner on second base, though, for extra innings, I, I can't. It was maybe starting the 13th inning, okay, maybe, but not right away in the 10th. That kind of takes away from it. Um, maybe it's the Lutheran in me not liking change. I don't know, but. I have a question. Yeah. So last year with the pandemic, 2020, yep. the fans in the crowd, they could play doubleheaders back-to-back -back and to get all those games in, do seven innings. But typically with fans, most of the doubleheaders we see nowadays are, are day-night doubleheaders. They get all the fans mm -hmm. out. They bring them all back again, recharge admission. Uh, how is that going to work out? I think it depends on the fan situation. This way, if they're going to go seven innings, you give them back-to-back -back games, one ticket sale, not day-night, but one sale. Cut out the old doubleheaders back in the day. They have an hour in between or something like that to, change uniforms, redo the field, and then come back up for seven more innings. That's my guess on how it's going to work. I, it's still Major League Baseball Players Association, that's also kicking out. But from what I've read and heard, they're still going to go with the seven innings for doubleheaders, which, again, I'm okay with. I, I've accepted that one. Um, just the only thing on that is, you know, it's five innings for a complete game. So if they went six innings and it rained, and you haven't given up a hit yet, that's a no-hitter. Yeah, there's a little asterisk by rain delay. So if a guy throws a no-hitter in the first half of a doubleheader, is that going to have an asterisk for it going, hey, it was only a seven-ending of a doubleheader, though? If they want to note it that way, yeah, note it. I got no problem with that. You're just noting that it was a seven-ending game, not nine. I'm okay with that. I'm not taking away from it. Yes, it should go in the books as a no-hitter, but it was only a seven-ending game, too. 
Um, with that said, that's my, that's my baseball news. That And uh, there was kicking around for a while in Arizona for the Cactus League, as they call the spring training there. They were thinking of delaying it. And then by the time I finished taking all my notes down, I go to the next source for notes, and they said, oh, no, no, I guess we'll be fine. They're still, again, him and hawing on that, so don't be surprised. Like we just said, the 14th pitchers and catchers start reporting. They may still report. How many spring training games will they have? We'll see. I don't know yet. I hope they get a lot. That's just my opinion. But, uh, I got yeah. I think I got three things on, on, on baseball. Yeah, what do you got for baseball? You know, we've been covering the, the Mets the last two or three weeks with all these trades and signings and big money and big dollars. And now this last week, not much action. Was there anything for the Mets this last week? Uh, Matsy. Stephen Matz got, did go to Toronto. A guy who oh, they yes. just put money into in the, during the offseason. Um, but like I said before, I think when they signed all these other pitchers and they got the pitcher, uh, they got candy from Cleveland there. They got to make room for him. And halfway through the season, if everything goes well, Cinderard's coming back. So they're going to have to make room somewhere. I think they're just making the room now. Let's cut it now instead of trying to decide at all-star break, who do we get rid of? Maybe you could have got more for somebody if you waited, but you don't want to get rid of someone when they're doing well either. So let's just take the chance, roll the dice, get rid of Matsy now. Um, to me, that says Syndergaard's coming back well. They're, he's on schedule. Because if there was something holding that up, I don't think they get rid of a pitcher yet. Unless they're trying to make room, free up money for the, the pitcher from the Red Bauer or if they're waiting for somebody else. Who knows? Um, maybe they're freeing up money. Maybe they're being positive that we'll lump through the first couple of months until Syndergaard gets back. I personally like to see Syndergaard come back this season as a reliever just because you don't want to put all that pressure as a starter right off the bat. Um, but he's a gamer. He's an athlete. He's a professional. He might come back as a starter too. We'll, we'll see. Well, the uh, local Chaska graduate, Brad Hand, was with the Cleveland Indians uh, last couple of seasons, signed this week with the Washington Nationals. So uh, the big lefty, there, uh, Brad Hand will be with the Washington Nationals this coming year. Now, speaking of the Indians, they signed Eddie Rosario. And so they're yep. going to use him in the outfield. And I looked at some stats on Rosario. Uh, I was a big fan when he was with the Twins, but they obviously have room in the outfield to move him. And his best hitting ballpark was Cleveland Indians uh, outside, oh, yeah. of tar- outside of Target Field. So I think they took that into consideration where he does best in the American League, and it's at – the Indians uh, field. So he put up some big numbers there. He'll be an Indian playing within our division. So we're going to have to face him now going forward. The twins made a big move this, this week, signing free agent Andaltron Simmons. And now that's going to be interesting, I think, because it's going to give us an everyday shortstop, high caliber, very elite level shortstop player. Um, rather than Polanco, they'll move Polanco now to second base. Polanco just, just having another season-ending or off-season ankle surgery last year and this year. They're going to move him to second. And he came up as a second baseman in the, twi- in the, in the farm system, played single-A, double-A, triple-A. Then they moved him to, to shortstop. So that became his position. And he's a below-average shortstop in the ma- major league. So move him to second base to be the everyday Twins second baseman, have Andrelton uh, Andrel, uh, play short every day. It's really going to be a good, uh, good, good thing. The 
fallout to that is Mr. Luis Arais. Luis Arais was our second baseman. And now with Marwan Gonzalez gone, who was our utility guy, they're going to make, it sounds like uh, Luis Arais, the utility guy that can play short, third, second base, uh, left field, and move around that way. Now, the only thing with that is Luis Arais, over the last two seasons, hit 331 in the major leagues. But has doesn't have enough at bats to qualify. He could have been up there running for the batting title. Right. And so if he's going to be a spot player, role player on defense, is he going to get the at-bats even to qualify? So I think he's going to be more than likely upset about that. But I think if I read an article that they can use him in left field to start the season right off, right away until they bring up some of the younger guys to play left and maybe move, move him to a lot more time at DH if they don't sign Nelson Cruz. That's what I was just going to say. Cruz isn't inked yet, so. And because they're, it's, it's American League only this year with the – DH, I think the White Sox are actually a candidate to, to get Cruz. So, you know, uh, Josh Donaldson, injury prone at third base. Arise could play third, second for, to spell Polanco, short to, uh, to relieve Endeltron. And I don't know if he plays first at all. We got Lamonte Wade Jr. Uh, also yeah. at first base. But you can plug him into the outfield. But also I like the fact that he can maybe use him as a DH for Arise. Then get his 500 and so at bats. That guy could hit. And so that's, that's, that's the big news. Polanco moved to second. New guy at short, a lot of range there, real good. Uh, that's all I've got for my uh, baseball news. I mean, a, a good steady second, or good steady utility guy. The Twins yes. have a one, and not that it's got great numbers, but really the last good guy you could plug in any infield position I, I get there, Jeff Rumbley. You can put him at short, second, third. He preferred second base, but you could plug him in anywhere. He was no, okay. I saw, I saw an article just today online that's comparing Luis Arise as a utility player to the former great twin Cesar Tovar. He's going to be at that caliber, high end utility guy that can you can plug and play any anywhere you need him on the field. Didn't Cesar play all nine positions in one game? Yes. Yeah. Every inning he played a different position. One of the few that's done that. A different position. And I think that was 1964, 65, maybe. But that's Cesar Tovar. So Arise is has the talent to do that. And if they can get his bat in the lineup, qualify him, he could be up there in the running for, for a batting title. And I think the Twins at one point were thinking that he could be trade bait because he's such a good hitter and they've got no place for him. We could get a, a good starting pitcher or someone in return, big bucks for Arise on the trade market. But now it looks like they're going to keep him, plug him in, somewhere else here and uh, utilize his bat and his plate appearance. He's, he's a hitter, much like Tony Oliva back in the day, I think. Yeah. Pretty much hit anything. Yeah. Last, last minute, he's, he's quick with the hands. He could hit, uh, hit the ball. So it'll be interesting to see that. That's all I've got for baseball for Hot Stove. Yeah, with the Twins, they got a lot of great – they got a lot of better-than-average players on their team. And that's the kind of team I, that, that scares me the most. No real superstar. Josh Donaldson maybe is your superstar. After that, you got a bunch of better-than-average players. Okay, you, you take the 87 Twins. I'm, I'm not going to start a homer here, but after a pucket, who did you really have? Viola got hot at the end of the year, pitching-wise. And don't tell me Bly Levin was a superstar. He was just good and consistent then. Herbeck. 
if you're not from Minnesota, he was just a better than average first baseman. Gaetti, better than average third baseman. Bernanski, better than average outfit. 87, Gladden. Gladden, maybe because he was kind of a big name when we got him from the Giants. He came off, I think he was second rookie of the year behind Good in a couple years before that. So Gladden was kind of, again, Gladden, better than average outfielder. Puckett was a superstar. The rest were just eh, low, better than average. That's what the Twins got right now this year, too. That's what they've had the last few years. And funny, they've won the division. Yankees have paid all the money, spent all the money. They're out in the first round. So, And I see also that George Springer signed with Toronto, the Blue Jays. Toronto's been dropping the money a lot this year, too. Yeah, um, them and the Mets, wow. I don't know with Toronto right now this year either. You, you look at hockey. All their teams are playing in one division in Canada because so they can't travel. Um, I'm not sure where the Raptors are playing for the NBA, but they can't travel back and forth. So when baseball starts, if minor leagues are in full swing too, where are the Blue Jays going to play? So, interesting. Question. We shall see. We shall see here in a couple. Within the next month or two, we'll know some yeah. of these answers. Yeah. Uh, speaking of Minnesota ties, um, you said they got the Pro Bowl this week. Next week, uh, there's their little game going on down in the new title town of Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay Lightning, Stanley Cup champions. The Rays make the World Series. The Bucs are now not only hosting the Super Bowl, are in it. So Tampa Bay, the new title town. Actually, I stand corrected. Tampa is the new title town. There is no town called Tampa Bay. Mm-hmm. Tampa Bay is an area. No geography lesson for you there. Uh, Minnesota ties. Damien Wilson, defensive player for the Kansas City Chiefs, will be in the Super Bowl, number 54. Uh, Buccaneers, Tyler Johnson, number 18, who had the penalty called to win the game. Uh, go for there. And Antoine Winfield, Jr., uh, he was injured in the last game, but he should be healthy. It's a Super Bowl. Unless I got two IVs and a heart monitor on me, you're not holding me out of the Super Bowl. And Anton Winfield Jr., I think it's the same way. He'll be out there no matter what. Yeah. So it'll be nice to see some Minnesota connection, go for connections on both side, both teams. Uh, so it'll be kind of fun to watch. Um, other things I got here, uh, college hockey. Boston College coach Jerry York collected his 1,000th, 100th career win as a Division I coach. Uh, last week with a victory over UConn. Just to put that in perspective for, for local folks here. Coach, 1,100 wins. Well, Doug Woog was a great coach in Minnesota. Yeah, Woog had 388 wins. This guy's at 1,100. Don Lucia, great coach. Um, uh, I think he had like 403 wins. So, you know, let's not get too excited with our Lucia and Wood, both great coaches, don't get me wrong. Those two combined don't have what this guy has. Boston College, 1,100 wins. Congratulations, coach. Uh, before I get to the rankings, a new little segment I like to call Andy's Soapbox. I got my soapbox here on a little something. Trying to stay away from the political end of it, but just kind of, I was thinking the other day. You know, I kind of go back to the point, the national anthem before a sporting event, the Star Spangled Banner. Say what you will if you want to stand, sit, kneel, do whatever. Mile, they started just putting it on TV like really in the last 15, 20 years before a game. Before that, they didn't really care. I remember when I was a kid, you'd be at a ball game, and it was always fun to see when you get there. If a certain band was in town that weekend or that week, someone from the band would sing the national anthem at the baseball game if they were there. That's how it worked out. You didn't fly someone in just for the national anthem. It just 
either that or it was like a, hey, here's the singers from the play down at Chanhassen Dinner Theater doing the national anthem or a church choir or a high school band. And everybody just stood up and you stood for the national anthem, you removed your hats and you went. NASCAR still shows that on TV. And as I say it, gentlemen, remove your hats, stand for the national anthem. Everybody stands at a NASCAR event. And the thing about NASCAR too, I still took the hat to the NASCAR this year too. Not only do they televise the national anthem, they televise the prayer beforehand too. They have a, a local minister and do that. So, and that's just a NASCAR thing. If you're at home and you don't like it when that happens, you know what? Go to the bathroom, get a sandwich, get something to drink. Don't watch it. Same way at a real sporting event. For whatever your reason, you don't want to be over there for the national anthem, go hit the bathroom, go get a sandwich, go get something to drink. Um, you know, it's what you do. There's a clip, if you look on YouTube, uh, Usain Bolt, the track guy. He's doing an interview. He's from Jamaica, doing an interview with someone. And at track, he had all these different events going on. He's doing an interview. The U.S. National Anthem started. He stopped and turned around to the flags. I've seen uh, that, yes. There's an interview of a guy. He was a pole vaulter. He's running down at the pole vault. Ex-Marine, Anthem played. He stopped, dropped it, turned, and saluted the flag where he was, or stood the attention to the flag. I got no problem with that. If he would have kept going through with this thing, fine. I, again, no problem with that. If you don't like what's going on with it, though, like for football players, just use football players, for example. If you don't like the national anthem, go back to the locker room during it then. I'd have no problem with that. I'd be okay with that. Um, there was a basketball player years ago back in the 80s. Uh, I can't remember his name right now. But he – Muslim, he didn't like it. He went to the locker room during the natural rhythm, came back out. I was totally okay with that. I respected that because he didn't try to make a scene there. He left. He came back out afterwards. Life went on. But the Star Spangled Banner, it started back right around World War One, late 19th century. Bands would come out every now and then. Military bands would play here and there. And it began at game one of the World Series in 1918 between the Red Sox and Cubs. This was way back in the day when Babe Ruth still played for the Red Sox. Um, it was the last time the Cubs won a World Series before a few years ago. Um, so, you know, that's when it started. They do it every now and then. Um, it became a thing. The country was in a bad place at the time, and that's kind of what brought us together. Again, okay, if I get in my soapbox, that's what's tearing us apart right now. Anyway, as the song began during that Cubs-Red Sox World Series game, Red Sox infielder Fred Thomas, who was in the Navy and had, be, had been granted a furlough to play in the World Series, immediately turned toward the American flag and gave it a military salute, according to the Chicago Tribune. Other players turned to the flag with their hands over their hearts, and the already standing crowd began to sing. As the, crowd, as the song's conclusion, the previously quiet fans erupted in thunderous applause. At the time, the New York Times reported that it marked the highest point of the day's enthusiasm. Because um, this was in Chicago, and in, during that day, it was during World War One. That day, there was a bombing, an explosion in Chicago that day. So the town was just, you know, you, had, you just got your lunch handed to you. They went to the game, and that was kind of the boost they all needed there. Um, so it kind of came, became a thing. They did it every game. Um, NFL made it a regular thing after a while. And, you know, in 1954, um, the general manager of the Baltimore Orioles, Arthur Ellers, a World War I veteran complained about the fact that the fans went on talking, laughing, and moving around during the national anthem. 
he, he was going to have it taken out. He, to me, he said it's very disrespectful. So disrespectful that he found that he decided he wouldn't play the national anthem for the games anymore. And later on, the Baltimore City Council asked him, no, no, you must continue it. We need it. Um, and, you know, that's kind of what I'm getting at here is here it was back then when it started. As a country, we were at our best point during World War I at the time. It kind of brought us together. Now our country is not the best point of time it is. It seems the anthem is what's tearing it farther apart. Kind of funny how things go full circle. Again, without saying if you should stand, sit, kneel, whatever. Um, if it's not your thing in your home, turn it off for a few seconds. Go get uh, something to eat, get a drink, whatever. If you're at the game, at least stand and respect it for everybody else that's around you. Um, it's kind of like what when you're at a religious event, let's say. You're the Lutheran at the Catholic church service for someone's wedding or whatever. You don't do all the kneeling, but you still just kind of sit quietly and let them do their thing. Um, vice versa, Catholics don't go for communion for Lutheran. But you still respect that they're doing it. You don't sit there and stand in their way saying that's wrong, that's not what you're supposed to do. You just sit back and let them do their thing. For the national anthem, at least stand. Okay, don't put your hand over your heart. Just stand there with your hands in your pockets. I don't care. At least stand. Um, stand with your hands in your pockets and go, you know, on the way home after the game, I should really stop getting milk and bread at the store. Great, whatever. Stand. That's all I'm saying out there. I'm off my soapbox. I'm done. Um, <laughs> that's, that's what I got on that. We'll get into some other sports stuff here now. We've got the rankings for uh, high school and college sports here and upcoming schedules. Uh, again, uh, the boys' basketball rankings out here all. Don't want to say sponsor box, you'll get paid for, but okay, I get them off the map, this Max Preps sports webpage. Okay. Uh, boys' basketball, again, we're recording this on a Saturday. So some games have been played, you know, Friday night, Saturday, Thursday, Friday. So I won't give records, I'll just give the standings. Boys' basketball, again, Max Preps, they give an all around ranking, then by class. All around, they got Caledonia one, uh, Christian, or Legacy Christian Academy in Andover second. Tino Grace third, Minnehaha Academy fourth, and South St. Paul fifth. Class A, they got Legacy Christian at one, Nevis at two, uh, Southwest Minnesota Christian and Edgerton three, Minoan four, and Fertile fifth. Class 2A, Caledonia one, St. Charles two, Blue Earth, Albany, and fifth, Watertown Mayor. Watertown Mayor, local girl. Uh, class 3A, Tino Grace, Minnehaha Academy, South St. Paul, Alexandria, and Matamidae. And then in the Class 4A, uh, the big schools, Champlain Park, Hopkins, Lakeville South, Minneapolis South, and you die in the Rob out the top five. Girls basketball, we got Hopkins 1, Virginia 2, Centennial 3, Houston 4, Monaga 5, Watertown Mayor 6. Um... For the classes, Class A, uh, Houston, Belgrade, Parker's Prairie, St. Mary's, and Sleepy Eye 4, and Hayfield 5. 2A, Virginia, Anaga, Watertown Mayor 3, Holly 4, Sox Center 5. Uh, 3A, it's uh, Academy of Holy Angels in Richfield 1, Hutchinson 2, Marshall 3, Mankato West 4, Wilmer 5. And 4A is Hopkins. Centennial, Chaska, Minnetonka, and Stillwater. Um, stay with Max Prep for volleyball. Minota 1, Wazetta 2, Stillwater 3, Eastwood, 
East Ridge and Woodbury at four, and Northfield at five. Class A is Miniota, Mabel, uh, Belgrade, Faustin, and Mayor Lutheran at five. Mayor Lutheran at fifth. Class AA is uh, Stuartville, Greenway Coloring. Usually think hockey when you see a Greenway Coloring, but here's Greenway Coloring up there. Uh, Southwest, Christian, and Chaska, Albany, and Maple Lake. 3A, as expected, Wyzetta, Eastridge, Northfield, Monticello, and Wilmer. Uh, now we go back. The rest of these rankings are all based from uh, Minnesota Prep Hub or the Star Tribune site. Boys Hockey 2A. Uh, Ian Prairie, Maple Grove, and Benilton Margaret are top three. Prior Lake in at four. Rosa was at 10. That's kind of weird to see that. Uh, Boys Hockey 1A, you got Hermantown, uh, Gentry Academy, War Road 3. Uh, Delano went at nine, checking at number nine for local Delano. And then uh, Girls Hockey 2A is Andover, Edina, Minnetonka. Um, Rosa at four, Holy Family at nine. And for 1A for girls, it's War Road, Chisago Lakes, and Breck at three. Breck is the school has been national or national state champions. I just had a bunch of girls out the Gophers last week we talked about. Uh, Mondwas Takakona at six. So that's that for those. Uh, wrestling, this is from the, uh, a site here for wrestling. I'll just go with the first few schools in each class. 3A is Stillwater 1, Shakopee 2, St. Michael Albertville 3. Waconia in at seven, Bemidji at eight. Class 2A is Simile, Cassin, Mountainville, and Detroit Lakes. Um, Tri-County United in at 11, right there. And well, We won't mention the 12th place team. Coach will get mad. Nice. Um, out of respect for Coach, we won't say who's in 12th. Class 1A, Long Prairie, Gray Eagle, one. Atwater, two. Belgrade, three. So that's that one right there. That's how wrestlings are going. Again, it's early in the season. They're still bouncing around. They're still getting things going. So good luck to those kids there. Men's NCAA basketball. Now, again, these were before the weekend here started. This is a Saturday night, so go with you on this. Gonzaga 1, Baylor 2, Villanova 3, Michigan 4, Texas 5. So that's a, I was in at 7 right there on those rankings. Uh, women's basketball, UConn. Who suffered a loss yesterday? Um, Stanford, South Carolina, Oregon, and Baylor. So that's your top five there for girls basketball. Men's hockey is Boston College one, Minnesota State two, North Dakota, Minnesota three, Bowling Green five. Women's hockey is Cornell, Wisconsin, Northeastern, Minnesota four. Uh, NCAA wrestling has some rankings out. No big shock, Iowa one. We just spanked the Gophers last week. That was embarrassing. Uh, Michigan 2, North Carolina State 3. Um, then I got uh, some scheduling coming out. University of Minnesota Girls Soccer has released their 2021 schedule starting February 20th. They'll be home against Nebraska. Uh, their season ends up April 3rd. Uh, they got a couple, uh, home game and two on the road. Home, uh, they got home stretch at end of March at home, a couple early March. Uh, let's see, it's five, 10, 11 games they got, all Big Ten games. Girls soccer is starting, so let's go out and support them. Boys basketball, uh, 11 and 5 right now. They're playing today against Purdue, or at Purdue, and then uh, Tuesday they'll be home against Rutgers. 
the girls, a four and seven, they beat Purdue on Thursday and they're uh, at Iowa. Monica Cezano and Iowa Hawkeyes are going there visiting them on Sunday. Men's hockey, 14 and three with a win against Ohio State yesterday and they're playing them again today right now. Women's hockey is at nine and four with a split of Ohio State this weekend. Uh, they come up next. Um, men's gymnastics, uh, they start today uh, against Iowa, and then they're at Ohio State on February 6th. Women's gymnastics uh, beat Penn State today, 196.675 to 194.750. They're off to a 2-1 star for the women's gymnastics. February 6th, 6th Saturday at Iowa. Wrestling 2-2 two two, uh, tomorrow uh, with a, a tri-event with Purdue and Rutgers. Um, volleyball, 3-0. They won on Friday against Maryland, 25-16, 25-17, 25-23. Uh, then they play them again today, Maryland. And uh, Bemidji State. Now, Bemidji State Athletics got some interesting news on some of these games. Boys basketball falls to 2-8 with back-to-back losses to Minot State this weekend. Uh, they play again the 5th and 6th uh, at St. Cloud State. Women's basketball, 7-1, first place in their conference in the north. Uh, they swept Minot State, 77-63 and 70-61 this weekend. Uh, they're first place in the northern division of their conference, so good step for them. They're 7-1. Uh, their next game, they're St. Cloud State, 5th and 6th of February. Men's hockey, 6-4-2. They beat number two Minnesota State, 4-1 the other day. One-game series. Uh, Goalie Zach Driscoll for uh, Bemidji State faced 36 shots, saved 35 because he gave one goal. Bemidji State had four goals, one empty netter. They only had 10 shots on goal the whole game. Scored four times, including the empty netter. So just a good lesson for you young kids out there. It's not how many shots, it's the quality of the shots. 10 shots the entire game. Wow. Against the number two team in the country, which, okay, right there you go. You know, Bemidji State, okay, yeah, they got 10 shots the whole game. That's all right. Yeah, but they got four of them in. So, you know, so it's, uh, it's a little note there. Uh, they play at Fair State February 5th and 6th for the next game for boys hockey. Women's hockey dropped a 2 10 and 2 with a couple of overtime losses at Mankato State this weekend, 1 nothing and 3 2. Their next games are at the February 12th and 13th at Wisconsin. Across the cheddar curtain over there. Um, and that's what I got for uh, our rankings there. Um, I know baseball starting up with the colleges are getting kicked around. Some of those southern schools and west coast schools have games played already, I believe. If not, coming up, they do. Up here in the, in the Big Ten, our games start a little later. They used to with the Metrodome. I know uh, U.S. Bank, where the Vikings play, that can be converted to baseball. Uh, Gophers have had some games in there in the past. So pretty soon you might hear uh, aluminum bats echoing inside over there. Um, but we'll see. I, I kind of like, like college baseball a lot. Um, it's kind of like watching my league baseball. They're playing for the fun of it. They're playing to, to excel. They have a good chance to catch a Gopher game. They're always contenders. They're always up there for the Big Ten title and contending for the tournament every year. So uh, – you don't have the money for the Twins game or you don't want to go downtown from Annapolis to the target field. Understandable. Not that going on campus is any better, but they're usually during the day. 
a little better crowd control down there on campus. I highly recommend catching a gopher game this year if you can. Um, that's what I got before I get to my event of the week, which we'll do in a little bit. But before that, what do you have for a trivia answer, sir? Um, I got one college basketball note. Tomorrow, yes. the UConn Huskies game against DePaul will be on Fox Broadcasting, Fox Channel. First time ever they've done a Division One basketball, girls' women's basketball for college. It'll be tomorrow noon if you want to watch that. Remember, Paige Beckers is with UConn. They'll be taking on their third-ranked DePaul that taking on is 18th-ranked in the nation. That'll be a good matchup there. Noon on Fox tomorrow on Sunday the 31st. That's all I've got for that. The trivia question was for the Pro Bowl, the history of the Pro Bowl, has anyone ever won back-to-back MVPs in back-to-back games? The answer I'm going to guess. I'm going to guess eight. Peterson, because I know he always went all out in those games all the time. He had – he won the MVP one time. Only one, okay. In fact, a lot of Minnesotans have won it. I mean, um, Randy Moss, Adrian Peterson, Kyle Rudolph just uh, yep. most recently as a tight end. And uh, and then Fran Tarkington won before they had the AFL-NFL merger. was the 1964 all-star game MVP was Fran Tarkington. But the Minnesota connection is the answer to this week's trivia is Rich Gannon playing for the Oakland Raiders won the MVP of the Pro Bowl in 2000 and 2001. That's about the strangest. Uh, no one wow. would ever get that typically right. Anyway, former, yeah. former Viking, Rich Gannon of all the high quality, high caliber players to play in the Pro Bowl, yeah, what I would call a high-average guy, Rich Gannon, actually won back-to-back MVP titles. Wow. The, Not the last guy I would have picked, I think. Now, before the NFL-AFL AF, merger, three players did win it twice. Not back-to-back, but twice. Gail Sayers won it 66 and 67, and MVP honors. In back, and that was actually back-to-back. Johnny Unitas won in 59 and 60. And Jim Brown, the running back, 61 and 62. Uh, those guys won it before the AFL-NFL merger um, as two-time winners. But, boy, Rich Gannon's in good company with those folks. That's the yeah. trivia answer for this week. Wow. Right. Event of the week. Um, last week, our event of the week was in Iowa with Ozzy in the back there. Kind of sting in Iowa, but not for as good a story. Um, excuse me. little headline of this is, Growing up, getting into music, my Uncle Howard got me into a lot of the old time music. Um, he was into the older school music up there from the 50s and 60s. Um, Buddy Holly, Richie Valens, Big Bopper, all those guys got me into that stuff. So I loved that type of music growing up in the 70s and 80s. Growing up. So those stories, I got older and I got to read more about it. It's like, oh, wait, I, you feel like you know these guys kind of a little. February 3rd, 1959, Buddy Holly, Richie Valens, and J.P. Richardson, the big bopper, were killed in a plane crash. Don McClain would call up the day the news died as hit America. The musicians were heading to Fargo, North Dakota, on a small plane leaving Cedar Lake, Iowa, where they had performed as part of a 24-city winter dance party tour. They had been traveling by bus, but it got so cold that, hardly, that Holly chartered a plane, single-engine Beechcraft Bonanza. Shortly after takeoff, the plane goes down. 
is snowing and poor visibility likely ends leads to a crash. Tommy Alsop and Waylon Jennings were also on tour, but they spared are spared by sheer luck. Alsop lost a coin flip for a seat on the plane to Valens, and Jennings let Richardson have his other seat. Um, losing those musical uh, people altered the rock and roll landscape. The rock era had begun about four years earlier with uh, Elvis Presley in the Army. There were a few stars to propel it toward, and with the British invasion coming, it would, you know, the British invasion kind of saved, or not saved, but regenerated rock and roll. Holly was 22, the headliner on the tour. It was a rising star, the number one hit under his belt, that'll be the day. Richie Valens, 17, was one of the hottest new artists of the time with the song Donna on the charts. Don McLean, who was a teenager at the time, would call it The Day the Music Died, his 1971 hit American Pie. Um, there was also a story here, Waylon Jennings tells stories of that. Um, there was as he gave up his seat to uh, the big bopper on there. Waylon Jennings has told the story, goes, he goes, well, geez, I hope you're Waylon. He's kidding to Waylon. He goes, geez, I hope your bus breaks down. And Waylon says, kingly, well, I hope your plane crashes. Waylon Jennings takes things a little seriously. Um, I mean, he did not obviously intend it, but, you know, uh, I was also reading an article this week about Waylon Jennings where, because uh, it was between this story and the uh, We Are the World, USA for After recording. It was also the, around this week in history. Waylon Jennings was there for that, and he left because of some of the lyrics that were being said in it. Waylon Jennings left going, good old boy wouldn't talk like that, and he left. Now, he wasn't in the video. Um, he didn't have a solo part like a lot of the other artists have if you remember the song, but he is credited in the chorus part. His name is credited there, but he did stick around for the whole thing. So I guess at this point, we had the argument. It was like 3 in the morning. They wanted some part. It was like a Swahili or African chant verbiage in there, and that's where he left. Ray Charles was the one who ended up going, I can't sing in English right now. Let's not put anything in another language in there. But um, so big week of music history, uh, the USA for Africa recording. Uh, that kind of still gets me moved a little bit to hear that. The day the music died um, with the plane crash. Um, going up there northern from uh, Cedar Lake, Iowa to North Dakota. Kind of sad when you hear how things like that happen. The, the ages are 21 and 17, and they're just going now. And you hear of all these musical festivals now. Can you just some music festival right now? The three main headliners are all on the same planet crash. That's basically what happened here in, in, at this time. You had your music festival on tour, and the three headliners were on the same crash. That's what happened there. Um, so that would really, for any music genre, I don't care if it's a country music festival, rock festival, punk festival, whatever, you take your three big headliners and put them out. I think that's kind of really why I don't see a lot of them travel together anymore on these big events. Superstition maybe a little bit, but uh, you don't want to do that. Yeah, so that's it. So uh, if you ever wondered what that song was about, and you hear it, The Day of the Music Died, American Pie, that's what it's all about right there. But that's what I got, sir. What do you have for your uh, album of the week this week? Well, album of the week this week is Working Class Dog by artist Rick Springfield. Yes. Working Class Dog is the fourth studio album by Australia. Australian rock musician Rick Springfield, released by RCA Records in 1981, released on Valentine's Day. A lot of love songs, of course. 
lot of romance songs, Rick Springfield, back in the day. Album was certified platinum in, the, in America and eventually sold over 3 million U.S. copies. It produced Springfield's greatest, uh, biggest career hit with the number one song, Jesse's Girl. Springfield was awarded the 1982 Grammy Award for Best Rock Vocal Performance by a Male. I didn't know that. Now, luckily enough, I found this in my wife's record collection. Oh, your wife's record collection. I got it. Yeah. Your wife's collection. I get the it. Rick Springfield 1981 album with the man himself on the back. You know, this I got was, that same shirt. The shirt he's wearing, I got one like that. I'm, sh I'm sure. <laughs> now, this is 1981. This was released, and he released his second album uh, you know, a year later called Success Hasn't Spoiled Me Yet in 82. But in the meantime, he was an actor you know, on General Hospital for a couple of Noah years. Noah Drake. Noah Drake. Noah Drake, is that his name? Yep. Now, was that the, the friends uh, kind of used that uh, with, with uh, Matt LeBlanc, uh, with the, Dr. LeBlanc? Yeah. Yep. Was that a spinoff of that? Is that where they I, got that? I think so. I think that's where they got it from, yeah. Because he was at General Hospital. Dr. Drake Ramore is a doctor. Similar, similar type of deal. And Inside so his, his, his song, Love is All Right Tonight, was used in com comedic relief in the film, 2001 film, Wet Hot American Summer. It was mentioned in that. Now, the recording of this album was in Sound City in Van Nuys, California. I didn't know that either. The historic Sound City. There's a documentary on that whole location where all these famous albums were re produced in Van Nuys, California, outside of L.A. And Working Class Dog was, was produced right there. The entire album is 32 minutes and 11 seconds long. Pretty short. And when you look at the lengths here, side one of the album, they're all three minutes three minutes long. Side two, most of them are two minutes long. And they got a filler at the end that's over four and a half minutes long, I think, to, to round it out. But here's the track listing. Love is All Right Tonight was also a single released by Rick Springfield. Song one. Song two, the ever-popular Jesse's Girl. Song three, Hole in My Heart. Song four, Carry Me Away. And song five, a cover song by Sammy Hagar. I've done everything for you, Rick Springfield. I didn't know that either. Yep. He did yep. a cover song of a, of a Sammy Hagar song. Uh, and the producer says you should throw in a cover song by someone on this album. So they picked that one, and sure enough, side two was The Light of Love, Everybody's Girl, Daddy's Pearl, Red Hot and Blue Love, and the last song, Inside Sylvia, rounds out the... The album, once again, released on Valentine's Day. It used the dog on the front. That's his dog, Ron. Ronnie was Rick Springfield's pet dog. So Ronnie was also featured on the next subsequent album, Success Hasn't Spoiled Me Yet. And sadly enough, Ron died back in 1994. Kind of like Spuds McKenzie, the old Budweiser. Kind of where they got that idea from, I think. That was become a famous, famous, uh, famous dog. The genre here is considered pop rock. I can agree with that. Um, but, you know, Springfield won Best Rock Vocal Performance in 1982, a Grammy for that. I wouldn't consider it rock, but uh, pop rock, perhaps. No. I'd throw in the same category as like a Night Ranger. It's kind of, yes. Night Ranger, Journey, pop rock. The, uh, 
The album cover actually was nominated for a Grammy Award for Best Album Package in 1981. And that I agree with. That's a, it's a very common, it's a very widely known, popular album cover. Mm -hmm. It was well done. Now, check out this. The personnel and this, and this group. Remember, he didn't have a band. He was, he's more or less used session guys for the musical, uh, for, for the instruments. He was Jack White on drums and Mike Baird. Not, not the Jack White we know, but Mike, right. uh, Jack White, Mike Baird. Bass was Jeffy Rich. Keyboards, Gabrielle Katona. Guitar and bass, Neil Giraldo. And they used Robin Ford, courtesy of Electra Records on lead guitar. Robin Ford, first name spelled R-O-B-B-E-N. It's a male named Robin, Robin Ford. Well-known, one of the top maybe 50 guitarists of all time, Robin Ford. Was never in a rock or a heavy metal band. Very good guitarist, though. In doing the research for this, he played on two Kiss songs on the 1982 Creatures of the Night album for Kiss after Ace Fraley was fired. And before Vinnie Vincent came in, they used some session guys. They weren't credited at all. And, and that's why I didn't know this. Robin Ford, it says, played two songs on the Creatures of the Night in the studio. Creatures of the Night album by the 1982 band Kiss. And he said, I never imagined I'd ever be playing you know, metal, hard rock music ever. He's kind of a classic, maybe a classically trained guitarist with going to high-end schools. And he says in an interview that he played actually on two songs on the Creatures of the Night album by Kiss in 1982. So that's Robin Ford. He used them. He was currently on uh, contract by Electra at the time. But Rick Springfield picked up these these guys, uh, and you know he'd been in music since early to mid seventies in Australia, and then made it big in eighty one, eighty two, and um, that was it. But it went three uh, tri triple platinum. It's not Valentine's, a bad album. Valentine's Day released nineteen eighty one. That's Mr. Rick Springfield, Dr. Uh, Drake. What's Noah name? Drake. Noah, Noah Drake. General Hospital. Get it right. Early 80s. Noah Drake. Noah Drake. So that's my album review of the week. That's the album review of the week uh, for, for this week. And once again, please remember to leave uh, recommendations and suggestions in the comments section and on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. And now, Noah Drake's character made a comeback in the 2000s. Okay. So I'll just letting you know. A um, little note for you, those, those of you watching YouTube, thank you. Um, stick around. We're going to try something new. Try to throw a little extra something on after this video, so don't go, oh, they said goodbye and turn it off. Hang on. Those of you on audio, um, Dan did an interview this week with uh, Carrie from the band Heartless who's going to be a heart tribute band, who's going to be playing at Medina coming up in February. Um, we're going to put that audio on the end of the podcast part you listen to. If you want to watch it, we do have that on a separate segment on our YouTube channel. Go find it there. Um, we're going to try to tag that or on the audio. The video part, we're going to try to tag a Rick Springfield video at the end. Um, I didn't mention any concerts this week, kind of saving that. I think I might do a – get a little more because a lot of them are all still kind of coming out. They're not really signing for sure. We know Heartless is going to be there end of February. We're going to be there watching it, uh, watching them. 
You're welcome to come see us there if you want. We've got our tickets. We're ready to go. End of February. It's going to be a good show. We are set. We will be there. Um, we are going there, though, as relaxing with the wives. So no autographs, no groupies. Please just respect our privacy at the event. It sounded good in my head before I said it out loud. <laughs> that was pretty good. I always wanted to say something like that. Um, yeah, so we're trying a few things different. Uh, keep your eye on the Instagram page. Um, I know we don't blog as often as we'd like to. We're going to try to get that going again, too. So just follow us on social media. Any questions or concerns, please throw them out there. Maybe even suggestions for Andy's soapbox segment. Yes, if there's a topic you want me to go about, an album you want to listen to, uh, an event coming up going, hey, I know you do event of the week in history. How about this one? Let me know. And then look forward to next week's Super Bowl preview show. Yes. Kansas City Chiefs and Tampa Bay Bucks at Tampa. First time ever team has played in their home stadium in the Super Bowl. But Tampa will be the visiting team, will they not? Yes, I believe they will because they were the lower seed. They'll be the visiting team playing at their home field. All right, everybody. Thanks for listening. All right. Take care. Have a good week. Sports and Songs special podcast this week. Today is January 28th. I'm joined with Carrie, lead singer and founder of Heartless. Heartless is a cover band that plays heart heart music. Today I'll be interviewing her. They've got an upcoming show coming up at the Medina Entertainment Center at the end of February. Welcome to the show, Carrie. Hi, Dan. Thanks for having me. Perfect, perfect. I'm looking forward to this. Uh, we do our podcast is based on sports topics and music topics, and Andy and I both cover sports and music, and a lot of music stuff is 70s, 80s, uh, hard rock, and, and old school hair metal bands and, and, and such. Now, Heart happens to be a favorite of both of us, and we've done them and had a review several times on our show in the past, but we've never... Never had a heart. I mean, in fact, I've never seen a heart cover band before. Carrie, tell me how how many of them um, are out there, especially in the Twin Cities like this, or even in the Midwest, that do what you do. Yeah, actually, I mean, you know, because we are a heart tribute, we found out about a few other heart tributes. I don't think there are any in the Twin Cities area, but I I know there is um, another band called Heartless, in fact, in Chicago around that area. And um, that do pretty well. And then I think, I'm not sure of all their names, but there's one in the Dallas area that's really good. I mean, I've just seen video um, of them. There's also a duo, a female duo, I think, out in California um, that do sort of an uh, Anne and Nancy thing. And I know that because one of those places we played, they actually had their information up on their website instead of ours. <laughs> so we've actually found out about quite a few, but I think we're the only ones in this area. Oh, interesting. It's, uh, I've only seen Hart one time in concert myself and looking forward to the show. I'll bring up here for the viewers the upcoming show. It looks like it's Friday, February 26th, 7 p.m. Doors open at 6, and your band, Heartless, will be opening up for the uh, the, main, the main show called Arena, and that is a also a cover band that plays all sorts of uh, rock music uh, from the past. They have a female vocalist, and it uh, looks like the rest of the band is, is made up of 
of men. Have you, uh, has your group played with these guys before? Arena? Uh, no, we've never played a show with them, although I think uh, a few members in our band actually know um, some of the people in Arena. Um, I haven't met them yet, but uh, I have seen some, some video of them, and I think it's a really good, you know, pairing. Um, they kind of have the same, you know, sort of high energy, um, same sort of genre of music, so I'm looking forward to actually seeing them play. Yeah, I'm looking forward to, to seeing them as well. The other reason that uh, Andy and I are looking forward to going to the show is due to the COVID pandemic, a lot of these concerts were shut down. A lot of bands are doing virtual shows. That's not really what I consider uh, fun. And they're doing these social distancing and things like this now. Now with some more of the relaxed rules and regulations about this, the Medina, for instance, has, you know, bands coming on you'll be able to be able to sit at tables and chairs and and watch the show there will be no you know standing room uh, crowd and there'll be limitation with distancing and whatnot uh, but even that uh, i'm excited to to come and see the show just to be able to get out because of this long layoff how has it been for you and and the band not being able to perform and have having some of these dates uh pushed out and canceled yeah i mean it's definitely been uh strange i think uh gosh i was trying to think the last time we played um i can't even remember <laughs> the last thing we played but it's definitely been weird i mean i i play in a couple other bands too so you know i i was used to playing at least once every weekend and so for that to just stop um it's definitely been unusual um and needless to say you know we're looking forward to being able to play together again in a live setting. It'll be different, certainly. Um, you know, things aren't quite back to normal, but I think when you go without it for so long, you know, even if it's a little bit different, it's still going to be a lot of fun and um, will hopefully kind of give give people what they've been missing for a while. Yeah, it'll be fun to have an atmosphere like that. And the Medina is, is uh, a great location. Uh, I'm looking forward forward to that show that always seems to be a, a, a good performance. I've, last time I was there actually to see a show was Ted Nugent several years ago <laughs> uh, uh, when he was performing. So that was that's pretty good. Looking forward to getting out here. The concert once again is February 26th coming up and that's a Friday night. That should be good. Now for the listeners that aren't too familiar, Hart, uh, I'll bring up some images here of the band. He is mainly known as the, as the duo of Anne and Nancy Wilson. They also had guitarists, bassists, and drummers, but their names have always been in the background. I'm showing here now the images of some of the 1970s classic photos of Anne and Nancy Wilson. Now, they've later been inducted into the Hall of Fame, and Anne Wilson has one of the best voices and you know, vocals um, probably on the planet. Now, because they're in the Hall of Fame, what is it like... Uh, for the for you being the vocalist, sing a lot, singing the the Ann Wilson vocals. What is the pressure like? Uh, kind of following up the footsteps of someone in the Hall of Fame and um, someone with musical talent as as far as Ann Wilson, one of my personal favorites. Yeah, I mean it's it's very difficult <laughs> um, to say the least. It's which is sort of you know one of the reasons why I wanted to put this band together because I, I knew it was going to be a challenge. Um, not just singing, but you know, musically, a lot of a lot of these parts, especially in the '70s stuff, um, is very hard to play. I mean, uh, the drummer Michael DeRoger's 
Although I have to admit, you know, at, at every show, I'm never 100% positive I'm going to hit all the notes. <laughs> Generally, I do, but, you know, it's, it's that challenging where even though I've done it for years, it's still a challenge. And, of course, for her to do it is, you know, when, when you watch her sing, it just looks effortless. So it's a lot harder for me. <laughs> exactly. Uh, looking forward to the, to, to the show. Uh, now, Hart has a long history of, of doing rock songs and then some softer songs and then some acoustic and some love ballads all over their uh, essentially the 40 years of, of being around. Your band called Heartless uh, is a tribute. What mainly of the style or the genre do you guys focus on? Um, we generally try and do the more kind of rock-centric uh, songs. Um, I mean, we Those are the shows I'd suggest going to because 
get to hear some, you know, gems you don't really, you won't really get to hear at some of these, you know, bigger shows. Wow, that's interesting. I didn't, uh, I didn't know that uh, those those three hour shows would be a blast to listen to. Like, uh, I just know the other day I was listening to a deep track, uh, like you mentioned, "Dream of the Archer," one of my favorite songs, and. Uh, you probably wouldn't come out in, in an opening like this, but in something like much longer, you can really get into some of these other other interesting uh, songs. Uh, I'm a fan of the 70s and 80s, of, of course, of the heart music back then, and that's what I more look forward to, but um, interesting. Now, do you like playing in front of the larger uh, larger crowds or small intimate settings, uh, the bars, uh, types of things? Uh, what does what does Heartless uh, kind of try to focus on? I just think 
guitarist just play guitar, you know, as vigorously and as technically proficient as all the male guitarists that we, you know, I was used to seeing. Yeah, when I saw the band live, uh, actually the outdoor festival at Mystic Lake, uh, when they played the uh, concert out there is when I saw it. Talk about the chills going down your spine when Nancy Wilson plays the rift to uh, <laughs> Barracuda uh, live and you're watching her do that uh, right four rows in front of you. It's unbelievable to see that. Now, as a fan, I've also read the book called Kicking and Dreaming, the story of heart, soul, and rock and roll, the Anna Nancy Wilson story. And I'm not sure if you've read this one, Carrie. I'm holding it up I here now. I uh, I'm holding it up here for the uh, for the viewers. Very good, uh, very good book. It's a biography about the band, basically those two, the sisters, how they got into music, and how their family, um, with moving around and, and things, ended up in the Pacific Northwest, Vancouver, Seattle area, and then how they got the band together, and their their stories over the, over the decades and. Um, Kicking and Dreaming and uh, is the name of the, of the book. So uh, highly recommend it for the other listeners out there who are into the actual heart band. Uh, it's a very good book. I do recommend getting your hands on that uh, to read. But you're, so the show is coming up. And now with uh, well, the winter, you know, the, the COVID, it's more of a relaxed setting, I think, because more of these um, and venues are now opening up. Uh, you're obviously looking forward to this and getting back out into the thick of things. Um, how does your concert, uh, I guess, list look like uh, coming down? Are you able to be booking more shows here in the future into the into the spring and summer of 2021? I mean, it's still pretty slow. We have um, we have a few outdoor uh, festival type gigs that got pretty much just postponed from last year. Um, so, you know, one of those has been confirmed. I'm still sort of waiting to hear on the other ones, but I assume still happen and that we'll still be playing them um other than that we we do have like i mentioned some dates at ziggy's um in both stillwater and hudson um, but yeah it's still you know pretty pretty slow i think people i think venues are still sort of feeling it out and um but i'm hoping especially in the, in the summer months that there'll be some more things that come along some kind of outdoor opportunities Excellent. Now, how can the listeners get tickets for the show coming up at the at the Medina? Um, I think you can go directly to the Medina's website. Um, also, we have a, uh, a Facebook band page that has the event listed there with uh, links to where you can buy the tickets. Um, Very good. I can see too on the on the site when I got mine. Uh, they've got them uh, selling them as, as gold section, silver section, and I think just general uh, section because they're going to be uh, you're being able to be sitting at tables and chairs to watch the show, and uh, the ones in the front center are gold on the outer side are the silver, and then after that is a general admission. So there's you know a lot of a lot of room to be able to uh, elbow room I guess sitting there without being crammed in <laughs> into a setting like yeah. that. I'm showing the location here up on the screen right now. It's Medina Entertainment Center, 500 Highway 55, Medina, Minnesota. And once again, doors open at 6. Your show starts at 7. And your band is Heartless, a tribute to Heart. And following that is the main act, Arena, uh, which would be good for the for the listeners. If you're looking for some uh, rock and roll music for the night, 
uh, this would be an excellent place to go to. What I'll do then, Carrie, is put the in the description section of this video, I'll put the ticket location, how to get your tickets. Um, I'm sure this will be uh, possibly even a sold-out event. I'm not sure what the limitations of. When I got my tickets, it was even there was not many left. So if you're interested, uh, you'll be able to click on the link, get your tickets, and then come and see Carrie Beans, lead singer, uh, the vocalist, rhythm guitarist, and founder of Heartless. Any final words in wrapping up here, Carrie, that you'd like to mention to, uh, to your listeners out there? Uh, I guess I just want to say, you know, we look, we're looking forward to the show. Look forward to seeing all your smiling faces out there again. Um, and it should be a lot of fun. And, you know, um, it's a great chance to see, you know, two bands and just sort of rock out a little, forget about the troubles of the world. And, and we hope to see you all there. Awesome. Once again, this is a Sports and Songs special bonus podcast. My name is Dan. Joining me here today was Carrie Deans, lead singer. Thanks again for your time.